I have spoken in many settings <laughs> all over the world, but this may be the wildest transition I've ever done. <laughs> hey, this is, uh, it's so exciting, so fun. Um, I didn't realize that I also needed to be entertaining. So, uh, no, it's good. But one thing, I want to make this comment right at the beginning. We are featuring love tonight, and I, I recognize that some of you are single, and I know some of you have had some heartache going through a divorce, but I just want to remind us that what we're about as the body of Christ and uh, what we're going to talk about in the next few minutes is really applicable to all of us, but we are going to focus on love for a lifetime, all right? Um, <clears throat> Recently, I, I read a story of a, uh, an elderly couple who goes into a restaurant. I don't, I don't believe it was this nice. I think it was like the, the booth set up you might see at any uh, cafe. And uh, this elderly couple goes in, and they sit down in the booth, and they've ordered, and they're waiting for this food to come. And uh, all of a sudden, this gorgeous young couple comes walking in, hand in hand, arm in arm, and uh, they sit down on the booth, uh, not across from each other. They, they sit in the same seat on the same side. And, uh, I mean, they're just all over each other. And uh, the guy is kissing this beautiful young woman. And uh, the elderly woman watching all this turns to her elderly husband and goes, Did you see that? Did you see the way he's kissing her? Yeah. Why don't you do that? Well, do you think she would enjoy it as much as I would? <laughs> Could we add that to your nursing home routine? Okay. My beautiful wife, Linda, I told you before, we're going to be married 45 years, but let me tell you a little bit. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's for you, honey. That's for you. <laughs> I got to tell you, she said on the wind, please don't embarrass me tonight. So I think I've already crossed that line. I'm not, I'm not sure. But I want to tell you a little bit about how God brought us together. Uh, let's just say that in my younger days, uh, trying to figure out who my lifetime partner might be was rather confusing. And I'll, and I'll tell you, I probably was trying too hard. You remember I told you I've struggled with insecurity like we all do. And uh, I just remember uh, this being the most difficult part of my life to really let, let God control. And so uh, I was in my first year of campus life ministry, and I moved from the Twin Cities down to this little community in southern Minnesota called Jackson. Jackson, Minnesota. Some of you know where that is, especially from Albert Lee. And um, the board chairman of our ministry owned this clothing store. And it was a classic small-town clothing store back in the day. Got to remember, this is 45 and a half years ago. It's where the, there was a men's side, and then there was sort of an archway, open door, and then the women's side, right? And so I went there to talk to my board chair, and I had found out that two of my future Campus Life volunteers worked at the store as employees. So I was there to meet them, you know, and to establish some communication and all of that. And, 
And so uh, while I was waiting for uh, my board chair to come out of his office and talk to him, I thought, I might as well do a little shopping. And so I'm, uh, I actually needed new underwear. I actually did. And so I, I can, I'll never forget, I'm standing there uh, in the men's side, just to make sure you know. And uh, I'm standing there, and there were two brands. I, I had narrowed it down to two brands. And I'm just trying to go, wow, what, would this be good? Would that be scratchy? I, you know, I don't know. I'm going back and forth. And what should I buy? And so as I'm pondering that big decision, I glanced through the archway to the women's department side. And I thought one of the most beautiful young ladies I had ever seen went walking by. And gorgeous. And I mean, she had this orange sundress on and this, this highlighted shag haircut. Some of you who are older, you, are, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And uh, by the way, it was Linda, in case you're wondering. Okay. Just. And she goes walking by, and honestly, this is what I experienced. Do you see that, Byron? She's going to be your wife. And I thought it was so real so audible, I knew it was the Lord, and I looked around to see if other people were going, who's going to be my wife? Who's going to be my wife? And I remember thinking, first thing I thought was, wow, she's absolutely gorgeous. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to assume she's one of your followers, or otherwise you're not going to tell me that. And so I got an opportunity to find out that she wanted to be a volunteer also for Campus Life Ministries. How convenient. But I also found out some really sad news through her sister and brother-in-law who worked at the store. She'd been going with this guy named Jerry for about three years back into high school. And, and you know, and they went to the same church. Their families basically had them married off and everything. <laughs> and so, but, but I was in there, and I really believed that God was telling me that, you know. And some people might go, oh, man, Byron, you must have been so spiritual that God would tell you very adamantly who your wife was going to be. No, it's the opposite. I basically was so insecure, but God loved me so much. He didn't want me to mess up that part of my life, so he just made it obvious. There she is. So I had to wait an entire year an entire year until one night I was leading the Bible study for Campus Life at her sister's home. Oh, and by the way, her boyfriend of three years, Jerry, he rented out the basement. So I saw her all the time. We became really, really good friends. She was a volunteer, and the whole time she knew nothing about this little vision that I had, right? So I'm finishing up the Bible study. The phone rings, and after the Bible study, Linda's sister comes to me, and she says, um, Linda called, and she was hoping that you could stick around for a little bit afterwards. She would like to talk to you. I said, okay. I wait. She comes in. We're good friends. Do a little chit-chat. We sit down on the couch to talk. And she goes, Byron, you're really, really one of my best friends, and I just want to share something with you and ask for your input. You know, um, I'm not sure that Jerry has the same spiritual commitment that I do, and I'm concerned about how, what that would be like in the future. And, and so, well, I'm just going to say it this way. I, I think I should break up with him 
And as my friend, I'm wondering what you think. <laughs> Honest to God. And I don't know if I really went into a more macho voice, but in my head, I thought I said, yes, Linda, I believe that would be a wise decision on your part. So I said, yeah, you want to make sure you're both really committed to Jesus for the future. And so she said, okay, well, thank you. And I don't know if this was too pushy or too fast, but God had given me a vision. So I waited a little bit, and I just said, oh, and by the way, I've been wanting to date you for about a year. Her mouth just drops. And then she told me later on, and this was so humbling. She told me later on when we were getting serious. She said, you remember when you told me that? I said, yeah. She said, the idea of a romantic relationship with you had never, ever crossed my mind, ever. <laughs> so the relationship progresses. This was, uh, by the way, this was uh, now been a year later. Now we're approaching uh, July. And so we had our first date on July 23rd. Um, on October the 7th, we went for a picnic in the woods. We sat down, had a great little meal together, and I looked at her and I said, Linda, I just want you to know, I love you. And she just, she teared up, not because she was mad or sad, because she was joyful. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. And I'm waiting for her to respond. We had already discussed the fact that if I ever told a girl again <laughs> that I love you, that I was serious about a lifetime commitment. So she knew what I was saying, but she didn't reciprocate. So now that's October the 7th. So now for about the next two weeks, we were in la-la land. This was so exciting. And I think she was really excited. And then all of a sudden she got cold feet for about six weeks. And this leads into the Christmas season. And we're at my parents' farm place and Earlier that day, I had uh, dislocated my shoulder because my brother was pulling us on, a, on an inner tube on a lake on the snow with a snowmobile. And so now my family all went to a Christmas service and we're sitting there, we're staying home because I'm in pain and we're having the DTR talk, define the relationship, right? And we're talking about the future. And I said to her, <laughs> some of you are looking at each other like, remember when we had that one? Yeah, right. I looked at her. And she looked at me and she said, Byron, I know that you love me. You've told me you love me. And I really have a love for you. And for a second, I got really scared <laughs> as a friend. No, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen, right? And she says, I have a love for you. But I don't know if it's enough love beyond the first few months of marriage. You know, enough love when you hit hard times and when the finances are tough or when we would start having kids. I don't know if I have enough love to deal with all that. I said, that's cool. I don't know if I have enough for all that right now tonight either, but I'll tell you this, Linda. For me, commitment is giving everything I know about myself right now to everything I know about you right now. And I love you with everything I got right now. And I am willing to commit the rest of my life for you based on that. 
And she said one of the most profound things. She looked at me right into my eyes. And she said, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> she gets up, she leaves. <laughs> I, I'm in pain. And she's in there for like 20 minutes. I thought, oh man, what is going on? And I got a little nervous. I thought, do I need to go check? I was getting ready to go check. And she came out of the bathroom. And from that moment on, she... Her, the look on her face has never changed. She came walking out and she looked at me and she had this kind of a look. And I thought, oh, I bet it's that new cushy toilet seat my dad installed into the bathroom, you know? It just was real comfortable or something. No, that wasn't it. So she sat down next to me and she goes, would you take me back to my apartment, please? I said, oh, sure. So we get in the car, <clears throat> we're driving sitting next to me, had the music on, didn't really talk. But she just, I glanced over and she was just looking at me very different. We get up to her apartment and I was in such pain. I said, can I get some Tylenol? So she goes, she brings me the Tylenol, hands it to me. I start guzzling down the Tylenol. And in that moment, she picked the funniest moment. As I'm drinking the Tylenol, she goes, I love you. I'm spitting Tylenol and water out. And I go, now say it again. She said, I love you. And I said, you know what you're, she said, yes, I know. I want to marry you. And I went, oh, Lord, yes. And that's almost 45 years ago. <laughs> that's the line of the night. Who, who said that? That is, okay, okay, honey, you don't want me to embarrass you, but is that relatively accurate? Okay. Because, you know, speakers have a spiritual gift of embellishment, just, just slightly, just slightly. But here's what I want you to hear. For us, both seeking God's best for a lifetime of love to the right person came down to commitment that in Christ we were willing to give everything we knew about ourselves at that moment to everything we knew about the other person at that moment. And then as it grows, there's plenty of love because of commitment. Sadly, over the years, Linda and I have friends, we have family members, they haven't discovered that love for a lifetime. And maybe some of you have some heartbreaking stories or you know someone. And again, there's something applicable for each and every one of us. But what I want to do in the next few minutes, very simply, is to talk about three choices that I think we really need with God's help to make on a regular basis. If we really want to experience what God has in mind for an amazing love for a lifetime. Does that sound okay? Here's the first one. Be close to Jesus. Be close to Jesus. Our key wedding verse comes out of the Living Bible paraphrase, and it's been our life verse as a couple for the last 45 years, and here it is. You are living a brand new kind of life that is continually learning more and more of what is right and trying constantly to be more and more like 
Christ who created this new life within you. That's Colossians 3.10. Let me illustrate about being close to Jesus. I want you to picture a triangle in this room. And here's the pinnacle, the top of the triangle. And Jesus is right here. And what Jesus wants is pure spiritual intimacy with him in, in and through marriage. And he also wants people to do it right to save sexual intimacy for marriage. Sadly, so much of the world starts with the sexual intimacy, hoping they can find something that might work out of it. So here's the pinnacle, intimacy with Jesus. Remember, we're in a triangle. So I'm going to come back here to this corner of the triangle, and this is the bottom of the triangle, the foundation. This is me. And so every day, if I take seriously, be close to Jesus, that's the path that I want to be on. And I'm going to do that by spending time with Jesus. I'm going to be in his word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to confess when I blow it. I'm going to be wanting to, to serve and love Linda along the way. So here's Linda over here on this side, this corner of the triangle. If she's doing the same thing every day, become more like Christ who created this new life within you. Get closer to him. This sounds like a kindergarten question, but what happens between the two of us? We get closer. We get intimate in all parts of life. But Christ followers so often forget that. I've done a ton of weddings, a ton of premarital counseling. I've shared that illustration many, many times. But I want you to know something. Paul and Stacy, both of them Christ followers, I shared this illustration with them. They loved it. They asked me to share it at the wedding. And then about two and a half years later, they got a divorce. And Paul came in to see me, and he told me what had happened. He said, Byron, you remember the triangle, get close to Jesus? I said, yeah. He said, well, I knew that you had challenged me to be a spiritual leader in our marriage. He said, but I'll, I'll admit, I blew it. I got more... I'm going to illustrate how he even, he even drew it for me on a whiteboard in my office. He said, I thought about becoming like Jesus, but I got sidetracked with my career. I got sidetracked with anything that was about me. I stopped trying to care for Stacy the way I knew Jesus wanted me to. And so I was no longer on the path to become like Jesus. After about two years of that, Stacy gave up on me, had an affair, divorced me, and went off with the other guy. He said, Byron, I don't blame Stacy at all. I take responsibility. I blew it. And he said, I encourage you to use our story as much as you can to encourage other couples to stay on that track of being close to Jesus every single day to become more like him. Let me give you a second, a second choice about love for a lifetime. It's to be selfless. Be selfless. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, Paul writes this, Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. 
Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had as one of selflessness, humility, serving. And one of my favorite verses in Ephesians chapter 5 about relationships, and it's one that a lot of couples overlook, it's verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In our culture today, people freak out because, you know, the idea, well, that everything, everything must be the same in a marriage. And, and I've, ha- I've had couples tell me, don't you dare use that passage where it says something about women submitting to men. That is so wrong. And I back them up and I go, but look where it starts. Submit to one another. Why? Out of reverence, meaning surrender to Jesus. We have different roles, but the idea is to submit to one another with an attitude, a heart of selflessness, humble, serving the other. In fact, I often tell couples, and I'll share with you guys tonight, I think the only competition that a married couple should have is to see who can outserve the other. That's selflessness. You've got to have a humble attitude, man. You know, we just went through Valentine's. I've learned the hard way years ago. Don't ever try to buy lingerie for your wife at Valentine's time. Something that you know deep down she'll never ever wear. Because your wife will say to you, you didn't buy that for me, you bought that for yourself. Selflessness means, Linda, I love you so much. I went to Kohl's and got a great deal on flannel pajamas that cover you from head to toe because that'll help you sleep better. Are you hearing me? Okay. Selflessness. By the way, I can't wait to get back to our cabin to check out the flannels later on. All right. A few months ago, I was at the office way longer than I anticipated, and so I texted Linda, and I said, honey, I'm so sorry. I told you I would get home early enough to play with the grandkids, because Linda often takes care of grandkids now. She's a stay-at-home grandma now. And so I said, I'm so sorry I missed that part, and I know I'm running late, and I'm so sorry. And she texted back and said, honey, no worries. The kids got picked up. I know you're on working on a project, working really hard. I just want to remind you, I am so proud of you. Come home when you can. Go ahead and work out first. I've got a dinner that can wait. And then at the end, there's these emojis. <laughs> you know, like one with the hearts where the eyes are supposed to be and the kissy lips. She'll send that to me quite a bit. But if there's an emoji of a glass of wine next to it, it's more than just hot dish for supper. Are you embarrassed yet? There we go. That is selflessness. We got to learn our 
we got to learn our spouse's love language. If we're, if we're going to be humble and selfless, we want to learn what communicates love to our spouse. For me, it's words of affirmation. I mean, all Linda has to say is, oh, honey, you're getting old, but you're still good looking. Oh, honey, you worked so hard. I'm so proud of you. Oh, honey, you're the best. I'm good. Now, she likes words of affirmation also, but one of her favorite parts of love language is an act of service. Okay, doing things for her, something tangible. And it works great for both of us because if I'm in a romantic mood, I just go clean out the garage for a while and then, you know, just got to think that one through just a little bit. Here's the last choice. Be intentional. I'm giving Linda credit for that. The other night when I was preparing for this, I said, honey, when you think about the, the key choices to make about keeping love, a growing love for a lifetime, what do you think of? First thing she said, be intentional. You never stop dating each other. Got to be intentional. You're intentional about praying together, talking about your relationship with Jesus with each other. And we're intentional about forgiving. Because way too many couples hold grudges, and it's like they got a, a Rolodex memory of what the other person did wrong. <laughs> what do you mean by that? I remember two years ago at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you said this to me. To be intentional as it relates to being selfless, to be willing to forgive even if we don't feel like forgiving, even if we don't think the other part of our union deserves forgiveness. None of us deserve forgiveness, do we? Proverbs 5.18, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Can we do that? Especially men. You know, I'm challenging us. It says rejoice in the wife of your youth. But ladies, you're not off the hook. Enjoy. This is a more modern translation. Enjoy the husband of your youth. This morning, I had one of those Holy Spirit nudges. And to bring this home and conclude, I'm so excited about what I'm going to do right now. Um, this morning, do you remember um, at, the, uh, at the session, uh, Pete said, hey, we're going to pray for Lynn. Lynn, where are you sitting? There you are right there. And I know some of you know what's going on, and not all of you do, but I ran into her and Gino at breakfast this morning. And so I just went up to, the, to you and I said, hi, I'm Byron, and we met. I said, Lynn, can I just tell you, yes, I've noticed you with the little walker deal, and, but you have the most radiant smile about you. I see the joy of the Lord in you. What's your story? And then she briefly told me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let her tell you what they did. But So I went out of the, the dining hall there and went to the session. And then, Pete, you pray for her. And that was more confirmation. And so I just really feel that the Lord wants us to do a little interview with Lynn. Okay? So I'm going to grab a mic. And 
I will come over to you. Sure, come on up. It may be easier for others to see. Okay? This is awesome. <laughs> it's a new walker. No. Oh. Come on up. Oh, you did? New Wheels for Family Fest. Okay, do you want to stand or do you want to sit right next to me? That's perfect. All right. All right. Okay, so Ann, or Lynn, I'm going to hand this to you, and I've got a microphone, and we're going to have a conversation. Okay. So when I said to you, what's your story? Would you make sure that everyone kind of knows what's going on? Sure, I know. Is this on? Hello? Just hold Is it, it close. Okay. Okay. Because um, my hands aren't too good, so I'll hold it close. But in um, July of 2020, I was diagnosed with ALS, which is Lou Gehrig's disease, which some of you might not know what that is, but it's kind of a rough diagnosis. And um, so Byron was surprised, like, oh, you know that disease, and it's a rough one. So the life expectancy is two to five years, and I'm pushing two years. July will be two years, and I'm doing, praise the Lord, better than I should be. Um, but so it's kind of a rough situation, but... Thanks to that, God, it's, um, it's been a joyful season, too. So it's really only what the Lord can do is to really um, clean up the clutter of priority and knit a family closer than you could ever imagine and help a marriage. Um, we were already good, but it actually, we're living the best mm. days together, and we're not counting them. We're just enjoying. You also shared with me something that you did a few months after yes. you found out the diagnosis. Yeah, so because that connects. When you said that, I went, "Okay, I got to get you up front tonight." We did so almost immediately after we told our kids and our parents. Um, we decided to renew our vows, and so the October after the diagnosis, it was COVID. If you remember, twenty twenty, <laughs> it's still COVID, but it was COVID then. And we were really like convicted immediately that we wanted to renew our vows. And so we asked our pastors, um, they came over, we're sitting on the deck, and we said, you know, is there any chance that we, you would help us do this? And they're like, absolutely. Have you ever done it before? It, Debbie and Matt, no, we've never done it. Great, let's do it. So we started planning and it was a perfect, beautiful, it was the best day of our lives. Um, and in the midst of COVID, we could only invite 50 people to the church. Um, everyone came. No one was sick. The three boys all had a super important role doing scripture reading. We used the vows that we used 27 years prior. And they never met more. Like, it's like when you're committing to, I can think of some of the phrases, not all of them. But it was like, you don't know what you're saying. You know, if you think about your vows, you meet them at the time, but you have no idea what's coming. And when we pulled the vows out, dusted them off, it's like, wow. We meet them more today than we meant before. And it was just a beautiful day. And through the day, I was like this the whole day. <laughs> and Gina was bawling the whole day. And it was it was just right. But the Lord was so present. And yeah, just 
and it's great. I, I encourage everyone, if you haven't renewed them, mm -hmm. if you haven't said them for the first time, say them for the first time. But if you haven't renewed them and it's on your heart to do it, it is joyful. It is yeah. joyful, beyond joyful. And we did it on an off year, 26. And it was like, you don't have to be 25 or 50. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Just do it. It is. It was like better than the first time. So, Lynn, it's so obvious. We see the joy of the Lord in her, don't we? And you, you, you've already answered it in several ways, but just to finish this up, what would you say to all of us? What we might learn from a challenge in life that very few people actually experience, like what you are going through. How does that connect with what it means to depend on the Lord in all areas of life, or especially even in the loving relationship with your husband? It's a great question, and I would just say that um, the Lord draws near to the brokenhearted. Mm. Like, it's true. And everyone in this room has experienced heartbreak in some way, shape, or form. And this is a moment of heartbreak for us on this side of heaven. But he also reveals the glimpses of eternity that give you so much confidence mm. in what's coming next. And so it allows you to live fully in the pursuit of a beautiful death that means eternity. And so we're living, I mean, our close friends and family, but even some of you I don't know very well, it is the reason there's joy is because that's what only God can do. And I mean, people that I have conversation with, it's like, how is that possible that you can be, I mean, I am, my body is in the flesh failing, but my joy is increasing. Mm. And that is bananas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what the God of the universe can do. So I just yeah. would say, as it relates to our marriage, um, it, it's, it, it's better than ever. Mm. God is literally cracking us both wide open. Mm. And instead of, we're not desperately clinging to this world. We're, we're savoring the moments the side of heaven and looking ahead. So. Lynn, I'm going to close in prayer. Um, yeah, this is a, one of those holy moments. Jesus, um, thank you for showing us what life is about, not just on this earth, but as we anticipate eternal life. Thank you for using Gino and Lynn's story to impact us tonight, and I'm confident it won't impact us just tonight. This is going to continue for a long time. And Jesus, uh, Lynn used the term bananas. We're just bananas enough in this room to cry out to you and ask boldly again for miraculous healing on this dear lady. And in the meantime, would you just continue to use their story, her joy, her faith, to encourage so many others on this side of heaven? Thank you, because I can tell that she will keep giving you the glory. So, Lord, we just lift up everyone in this room, whether single, divorced, remarried, newly married, old-time married, like some of us. Um, we have to work for it and fight for it. 
through your love, your spirit's power. But thank you that you want us to have love for a lifetime. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you thank Lynn?